It's uh, been my practice for the past several years now to ask God to give me a word for the coming year. I uh, get alone with the Lord and spend some time in his presence and ask him for a word for the year. Now, this word sets the tone and gives us direction for the year ahead. The word for the year 2019 is the word increase. Say increase. I declare for the people of the Grace Place a year of increase. Let me give you some synonyms of this word increase. Increase is to enlarge. It is to expand. It is to broaden or deepen. It is to amplify or augment. How many of you would like to experience increase both individually and corporately this year? Well, there are three areas that I want our church to increase in in this coming year. doesn't mean that we're limited to this, but these are three target areas where I want to see our church see increase in the year 2019. I'm going to talk about the first one today. We'll talk about the second one next Sunday and the third one the following Sunday. Well, the word today is we need to increase our efficiency. Say efficiency. Now, to be efficient means to, to achieve maximum quality and productivity. How can we increase our efficiency? By doing things better. Say better. better. I'm going to give you five things that we can do, I believe, that will help us increase efficiency in our lives and as a corporate body here at the grace place. First thing I believe that we need to do if we're going to see this come to fruition is the first thing is we need to examine what we are doing. Let me know it's good every once in a while to just stop and take, make an examination of what we are doing. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3 and 4. I like the way the, the Living Bible renders it. It's a paraphrase, but it says, it says any, any enterprise is built by wise planning and it becomes strong through common sense. And it profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. So we need to examine what we are doing. See, efficiency requires laser focus. See, without frequent examination, we tend to lose focus and we begin to drift. If we drift long enough, we're going to discover that we have found ourselves totally off Target. So there are three questions today. I want to give you three questions that we should ask ourselves as an aid to our self-examination. And the first question we need to ask ourselves is this, and that is, do our efforts match our vision? We need to ask ourselves, as a church, do, do our efforts match our vision? Our vision is what? Yeah, our vision is caring people, caring for people. So, so does what we do match who we want to be? That's a good question. Would you, would you agree? Second question that I believe that we need to ask ourselves is this, and that is, do our efforts motivate our people? Do our efforts, what we are doing is what we are doing. Does that motivate our people? How many of our people are involved in our vision? See, it's one thing to know what the vision is. It's one thing when I ask you, do you know the vision of the church? It's one thing for you to be able to tell me what the vision of the church is. It's one thing to know what it is, but what percentage of our people is actively involved in helping to carry it out? 
are we still excited about our vision? Evidently not. This is why I need to talk about this, I guess. I said, are we, ex- are we still excited about our vision? Do we present it with passion? Do we present it with excitement? Because here's what I know, and that is you can't sell anything you're not sold on. You can't sell anything you're not sold on. I don't know about you, but I'm sold on our vision because I believe it is a God vision. And because of that, I am sold on our vision. And so, and still I, and so I, hopefully I still present it with passion. I, hopefully I, I still present it with excitement. Third question we need to ask here, and that is, do our efforts move us forward? What we're doing is what we're doing. Does that move us forward? Because you see, if we are doing the right things and we are doing things right, then we should automatically be moving forward. So, so therefore, if we are not experiencing any forward mo- emotion or movement, then, then evidently there's something wrong with what we are doing or in how we are doing it. First thing we need to do in order to increase in the area of efficiency is to examine what we are doing. Then, after we examine what we are doing. Then the second thing we need to do, and that is we need to exclude non-productive efforts. Exclude non-productive efforts. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse number 11 says, only a fool repeats his folly. It's one thing to do something wrong. It's one thing to make a mistake. It's one thing to do something dumb or something silly, but only a fool does it again. So if what we are doing doesn't fuel our vision, if what we are doing doesn't help move us forward, we should stop doing it. Stop doing it and start doing things that do align with and fuel our vision. Start doing things that do move us forward. See, here's what I know, and that is people only have so much time to give. And especially in the Metroplex, especially in the big city, people only have so much time to give. They're only going to give you so much time because they only have so much time to give. So therefore, we don't have time to waste on non-productive efforts. So let me encourage you today, if you lead a ministry, don't waste people's time by being unprepared. You call them to a meeting. They get to the meeting, and you got to make up the agenda. No, no, no. No, if you lead a ministry, don't waste people's time by being unprepared or by not being clear with them about their assignment or not being clear with them about their date that they are to minister. Because here's what I know, and that is efficient people become frustrated with inefficient programs. So, therefore, programs that don't promote our God-given vision should be terminated. See, there's not enough time to do everything. I touched on this last Sunday, but I need to say it again. There's not enough time to do everything. Understand there's a lot of good things that we could be doing, but there's not enough time to do everything. Therefore, we should be very particular in choosing the things that we do. Remember what I said last week, and that is good things are not necessarily God things. 
And we can become so busy doing so many good things that we have absolutely no time for the God things. It's the God things and not the good things that will move us forward. I'll say that again. It's the God things and not the good things that's going to move us forward. See, see, if our vision came from God, and I believe that it did, if our vision came from God and not from man, then I believe that God will give us God things to do and he will give us God things to be involved in. As I often love to say, a God idea will work, a good idea will It'll work you. And I have seen this over and over, and I've proven it over and over and over and over again. Here's what I know, and that is one genuine God idea. One. One single genuine God idea will take you farther than a thousand good ideas. And we waste our time on good ideas. Well, this one's doing this. Well, that one's doing that. Well, we used to do this. Well, over there they're doing that. I'm telling you this morning, we don't need to find out what everybody else is doing. We need to find out what God wants us to do. And we need to understand that one genuine God idea will take us much, much farther than a thousand good ideas. If we're going to experience increase in the area of efficiency, we'll have to examine what we are doing. And then we're going to have to exclude non-productive efforts. And the third thing that we'll need to do is, and that is we'll need to explore new methods. Explore new methods. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19 says to forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. God says, I am doing a new thing. Say new thing. God says, I am doing a new thing. God says, it is springing up. God says, do you not see it? Why are we so hung up on what God used to do? Do we think that God is only a God of the past? Do we not understand that the God that gave great ideas and great ministries and great direction in the past, do we not believe that that God is still alive today? And do we not believe that God can still speak today? Do we not believe that if God could, could anoint songwriters uh, 200 years ago to pen songs that were wonderful and awesome and incredible for their day, do we think that God ran out of ideas, that God ran out of, uh, of words? Can we not believe that God could also give us a new song? In fact, if you'll read the Word of God, the Bible says that God wants a new song. He's tired of the old one. He wants a new one. Sing unto the Lord a new song. God says, Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing something new. I'm doing something different. It's springing up. God says, do you not see it? Here's what we need to understand, and that is the way doesn't change the what. The way doesn't change the what. Now, notice notice I didn't say explore a new message. I said explore new methods. See, the message is sacred, and it never changes. And if I ever change the message, and the message is Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus became the Son of Man. Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus died on the cross for every man's sin. And that man, only through believing in Jesus Christ and his atonement and his atoning work on the cross, only through his grace and only through his blood can we be saved. That is the message. And if I ever fail to preach that message, and I ever start preaching some other message, then run me out and run me out quick. The message never, ever changes. But the methods, and that's what we get all hung up on is the methods. The methods, they are just the vehicle we use in order to spread the message. 
The way doesn't change the what. Technology has changed the way. How many agree? Technology has changed the way. It has not changed the what. The what is the same it has always been. We still got to buy groceries. We still got to drive a car. We still got to get gas. We still got to pay our bills. Technology has changed the way. The way. But it hasn't changed the what. Same things are still being done today. The what hasn't changed, but they are being done in a different way. They're being done in a more efficient way. If we're going to increase our efficiency, we're going to have to explore new methods. And here's what I know, and I know some of you don't like it, and that's okay, you don't like it. I can't help it. It's truth. The methods used to reach my generation won't reach or won't even relate to today's generation. It won't. And we can fuss and we can fight and we can argue and we can drag our heels and dig our heels in the ground. We can get ugly and all the things that we do, but it doesn't change the fact. And here's the problem. And hey, understand, this is, you're not listening to a 33-year-old man preach up here. He's a 63-year-old man talking to you today. Here's the problem. Waiting too long to implement change is costly. Many, if not most, churches in America today have lost an entire generation. Most of them two generations. In most churches in America today, especially smaller ones, but in most churches today, you can't find anybody in there less than 50 years old, 60 years old. Many, if not most, churches today have lost an entire generation because they held on to their old methods too long. And many of them will never recover. My son is a presbyter. He's the leader over 30 churches and 100 and something uh, ministers. Just this last week, he had to have a meeting in a church that wouldn't let go of their methods, and he had to tell them, we have to close the doors. Between one and 200 churches in America close every single week. Did you hear me? Between 100 and 200 churches in America close every single week. Week. Once again, let me say it. I'm, I'm talking about exploring new methods, not changing the message. See, see, it's impossible to increase efficiency by holding on to outdated methods. It's impossible to make something better by leaving it the same. You guys are going to jump up and shout here in a minute. I know you're just so excited today. All right, after you explore and implement some new methods, number four, expect negative reaction. Yeah. When you explore and then begin to implement new methods, you can begin to expect negative reaction. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 21 and 22, it's one of my favorite scriptures. I laugh. Just about every time I read it. It says, don't eavesdrop. 
Because you might hear someone criticize you. For you know how often you have criticized others. We've all been there. We're not a saint in here. Not a person here hadn't talked about somebody, criticized somebody, picked somebody's program or ministry apart. We're all guilty. Here's what I've learned, and that is the natural response to change is resistance. Just the natural response to change is resistance. Most people get really snug and cozy in their comfort zone. The children of Israel did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they complained. They complained to God about Egypt until Moses took them out of Egypt, and then they cried to go back. They complained about the law, but then tried to hold on to it when grace was introduced. Remind you of anybody? See, we want to complain about how things are, but then we crucify anybody who tries to change anything. Here's how the process goes. I've seen it. This is exactly the truth. Here's how the process goes. People oppose change. Somebody somebody presents change. It doesn't matter what area it is, but but, but once somebody presents change, people oppose it. There are people that, not everybody, but there's always people that oppose it. Like the one guy in the business meeting said, I didn't hear what you said, but whatever you said, I'm against it. (laughs) Pastor that fellow, more than once. Here's how the process goes. People oppose change. But in time, in time, and for some people it's a long time. <laughs> but in time, in time, they finally embrace it. They no longer oppose it. Now they embrace it. And in time, not only do they embrace it, they grow to love it. And then they try to hold on to it. And then they fight anyone who tries to take it away from them. They started out, they started out fighting against it, and they end up fighting to keep it. Go figure. And here's what else I know, and that is the naysayers speak the loudest. The naysayers speak the loudest. The negative voice is always the loudest one in the crowd. Why did we leave Egypt? Why did we have to leave Egypt? Because you whined and you cried and you prayed. Why don't we go back? Go back? You want to go back into slavery? You were slaves. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. Where's our water? What's this manna stuff anyway? The naysayers speak the loudest. Let's get rid of Moses and let's get us a new leader. Let's get us one that'll do what we want him to do. We want a basset hound for a leader, not a bulldog. We're talking about our word for the year, and the word is is increase. See, and hear me this morning. Hear me. This is good stuff right here. 
For some things to increase, other things have to decrease. In order for some things to increase, other things have to decrease. John the Baptist said about Jesus, he said, he said, he must increase and I must decrease. And friend, that's a pretty good formula for efficiency. More of Jesus and less of me. I said, that's a really, really good formula for efficiency. More of Jesus and less of me. More God ideas and less good ideas. More of the spirit and less of the flesh. More power and less programming. How many of you are tired of status quo? How many of you are tired of business as usual? You're tired of same old, same old. How many of you are ready for a year of increase? All right, let's take a peek at the fifth and last thing we need to do in order to experience a year of increase. The fifth thing is, and that is we need to expand our vision beyond where it is. Expand our vision beyond where it is. Isaiah 54 verse 2 and 3 says to enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. How many is going to claim that scripture this year? Are you going to claim that scripture this year? Listen, 2019 has officially been declared a year of increase. Friend, it is time to increase or time to expand our vision beyond where it is. Thank God for the vision that we have and thank God for all the things and it's unbelievable the things that are happening and going on at the Grace Place and because and through the Grace Place. But it is time to expand our vision beyond where it is and there are, we're going to endeavor to do this in two ways. The first way we're going to do it, and that is by finding new areas to care about. Finding new areas to care about. One of the areas we will target this year is the area of discipleship. Now, much of our discipleship here at the Grace Place is done through our Wednesday night cultivation classes. And most of you, actually half of the church misses it. We get less than half of the people back on Wednesday night that were there on Sunday morning. Listen, it's not enough to come in and celebrate on Sunday morning. You don't just need to celebrate, but you need to cultivate. Amen. You need to cultivate. You need to be discipled. You need to be growing in the things of the Lord. And so, and so we encourage you to be a part of our, our Wednesday night classes, our Wednesday night cultivation, where we cultivate the Word of God and cultivate our relationship with God. We do that, much of that is done on Wednesday night. But we have also implemented what we are calling our discipleship track. New believers are going to be assigned a personal discipler. And these disciples have been trained by us. And they're going to take these new believers, they're going to take them by the hand, and they're going to walk them through a discipleship process that has been laid out, that has been prayed over, that has gotten direction from the Lord, that it's going to be incredible. And this discipleship process and track will teach them some fundamentals, fundamentals about true biblical Christianity. Because most people that gather on Sunday morning, and I, I wouldn't say most in our church, but in a lot of churches, in so many, the vast majority of churches, uh, it's biblical illiterates that show up on Sunday morning. They don't know anything about the Bible. They don't know anything about serving and living for God. All they're doing is get, getting their religious experience and doing their religious uh, responsibility by showing up on Sunday morning. It's not enough just to show up on Sunday morning and worship and praise and celebrate, and all of these things are well and good. 
good, but we need to be growing in the grace and in the knowledge and in the favor of the Lord, and we need to be growing and maturing uh, in the things of the Lord and in the things according unto the Word of God. And so these disciples are going to take these new believers by the hand and teach them and train them some fundamentals, some fundamentals, fundamentals about true biblical Christianity. They're going to provide some good Christian community as well. They're going to endeavor to build a relationship with their assigned person. And they're going to be available to pray for them, available to answer their questions and give them direction as to their next step to take on their new spiritual journey. How many believe that we can increase in this area. See, too often the church gets people to respond to a salvation altar call, but fails to take that person from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. We get people to to respond to the altar call, and quite frankly, we get the same people to respond every single Sunday morning. Because they don't understand grace and they don't understand some things that they need to understand, and you don't understand that unless you are taught. We want to see increase take place in our discipleship ministry this year. We hope to expand our vision beyond where it is, and we're going to do that by finding new areas to care about. And let me just say this real quickly as I'm I'm here. If you're in any kind of ministry, what your question ought to be is, how can I care in this ministry? How can I take caring to a new level in this ministry? And if you cannot care in your ministry, then it is a ministry that we do not need to have because we are caring people, caring for people, and all we have time for is for the vision God laid upon our heart. And so we need to find different ways and different areas and different ways and means where we can care for people. How many still on board with me this morning? The second way we're going to do it, and that is by finding new partners to align with. Finding new partners to align with. We are constantly on the lookout for ministries who share the same heart that we do. There's a lot of ministries out there. I mean, my phone rings. I get emails. I get texts every day, every day, sometimes two or three times a day. And listen, we're not just interested in ministry. We are in, interested in, in, in sharing ministry that, with people that have the heart that we do. And once we discover these ministries, we align ourselves with with that ministry. One of the new partners is a couple named Jose and Dina Diaz. I told you about that when I came home from my trip from Honduras. This young couple, Jose and Dina, uh, are currently ministering in a ministry in Belize. And once they complete their commitment to the ministry they are presently serving, in September of this year, they are going to relocate to Honduras and they are going to become our very own missionaries to that country. They speak the language. They don't need an interrupter. They speak the language. They understand the culture. They're also able to live on a third world budget. See, we have, there's 130 missionaries that we partially support. What does that mean we partially support? That means that we send them money every month, but so does a lot of other churches send them money. It's not that you know, we have 130 missionaries that we write a check for them every month that pays their full salary. No, we just make a, a commitment to them. We, make a, uh, we send them an offering every single month to 130 missionaries that we partially support and share with other churches. But hear me, hear me. Jose and Dina are going to be totally funded by us. 
No other church is going to help them. No other church is going to partner. They are going to be our own missionaries to Honduras. They're going to totally belong to us. What does that mean? That means we can control them. That means we can tell them what we want them to do. That means that that not only can they do some good things, but they're going to do some God things in Honduras. They're going to do some things that align with the heart and the mission and the vision of the Grace Place. God has given me extreme favor with some very key spiritual leaders in Honduras. And they have essentially given me carte blanche. And they have opened their doors wide to me and to our church to basically do any type of ministry that we want to do there. Jose and Dina have mirrored hearts of ours. And through this incredible couple, we are going to expand our vision beyond where it is. And this is only one partner that we will begin to align ourselves with. I, I believe that God has already set in motion future relationships relationships and future ministry partners, then God is going to reveal them to us as the time is right. I get some help on the platform this morning. The takeaway for the message today is this. Our goal this year is to become more productive. Our goal this year is to become more productive. We want to be the church, not just do church. We're not just interested in doing church better than everybody else is doing church. It's not our vision just to do church better. Do we want to do church better? Absolutely. But it's not our vision to do church better. Our vision is to become the church, to be the church, to be what the Lord has envisioned and aligned us to be. What we are doing around the world for a church our size is is unprecedented. I, I beg you to find a church of 500 people on Sunday morning that gives over $400,000 to missions. I, 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 I beg you, find me one. It's unprecedented. And when people find that out, they're, just, they're astounded, especially pastors that have church of 500. They're astounded. How do you do it? Because they're not even halfway there or maybe barely. But hear me this morning. We're not content to rest on our laurels or tread water. I'm not. I don't know about you. I think I heard one amen. I said, we're not, in, we're not content to rest on our laurels or tread water. God has called us for such a time as this, and he is challenging us to increase. See, I don't think God toys with us. I don't think God plays with us. I don't think God just messes around with us. I believe that when God genuinely gives us a, a word, and we have asked God for a word, and he's given us the word, so I believe it is the word that the Lord has given to us for the coming year. I don't believe that God gives us this word for no reason. I believe it's time to take the church to the next level. I believe it is time to take this church to where God intends for it to be. And we want to increase both locally and globally. And I ask you this morning, who's with me? Who's with me this morning? Can we stand in his presence? Father, we thank you today. God, we thank you today for this word this morning. Thank you for this word this morning, God. Thank you that you have given us a word. And God, as we go through this year, God, I pray that you'll help us to be mindful of this word. Be mindful of this word. Take us to where we've never been. Take us to a level, to a place we've never been before. God, we don't want to go back and we we don't want to just stand still, but God, we want to continue to move forward for the glory of God.